1: Thanks for tuning in with us here today on Conscious Talk. It's radio that makes a difference.
2: Well, we are now officially into the spring. We've seen our first sun and steady sun with temperatures going up. We've had our big sugar opportunities. So it's time to start really taking care of ourselves. I know a lot of you have heard about a maybe of a resurgence of COVID. Well, that's not gonna happen if we stay healthy
1: yes and stay the course stay the course that is really what's important and rob and i were talking about the fact that you know it wouldn't be a bad idea if maybe all of us did a spring cleanse you know if you do it three or four times a year and there's so many great cleanses out there you don't have to do something that you feel really terrible or you can't work or you can't play there are some great cleanses out there so maybe think about doing like a cleanse for spring
2: yeah and what we would suggest is that the same thing we've been suggesting for 20 years <laughs> eat organic drink filtered good water make sure you're getting enough of the vitamins and minerals and things that you need uh, because they're not in our foods organic or otherwise and um you know pay attention to those products that we talk about on the show when we say they're really for all of us. It's not about supporting the show, although we're very appreciative of that. But it's about supporting all of us. These are the tried and true things. We really hit the basics that help with the underlying causes of dis-ease and, as well as disease.
1: Yeah, now you can get out. You can walk. You can jog. If you're like us, you can ride horses. You can do things that really help your body to move and exercise, try to get as much fresh air if you can, and the sun, because the sun really truly is good for us. Yeah,
2: and I would like to really remind everybody about the importance of kindness. Yes. You know, we've just gone through a really difficult period of time on all levels. Uh, Challenges are in front of us. Kindness is our best way of mitigating a lot of those problems
1: so be kind to yourself be kind to each other and by all means be in gratitude that is one of the greatest ways to bring joy into your life is to be grateful for right where you are no matter what's going on and see how that transforms the situation well stay tuned we have a great show coming up we'll be right back
0: you're listening to an encore presentation of conscious talk radio that makes a difference Welcome to Conscious Talk, radio that makes a difference. Well, coming up this hour on Conscious Talk. So when it comes to the end of your life, what do you think you have learned? Will you know what really matters? Well, we'll talk to Dr. Karen Wyatt, author of Seven Lessons from Dying, How to Nurture What Really Matters. So wouldn't it be good to have some answers right about now?
1: They're waking up, coming on the show, teaching all of us. And on this show, we learn and grow together one listener at a time. That listener is you.
2: Well, our special guest today is Dr. Karen Wyatt. She is an MD. Um, She also hosts a radio show. It's called the End of Life University Podcast which features conversations with experts who work in all aspects of -of end-of-life care. And that's only appropriate because we read her book, Seven Lessons for Living from the Dying, How to Nurture What Really Matters. Um, She teaches that in order to live life fully, we must overcome our fear of death and embrace the difficulties that life brings us. So we're going to find out what this is all about. Dr. Wyatt, welcome to Conscious Talk.
3: Thank you so much. It's a pleasure pleasure to join you.
1: So, um, Karen, what did you how did you get started doing this particular type of work? Because it's really we consider very sacred work.
3: Well, yes, it it started long ago back when I early during my medical career. I started out as a family practice doctor, taking care of people of all ages and delivering babies. And about three years into my medical practice, a tragedy struck when my father took his own life. Mm. And so it was absolutely devastating for me to lose my dad to suicide because I had had training in psychology and psychiatry as, as part of my medical training and worked with people who were depressed and suicidal. And the knowledge that I couldn't save my own father, who's one of the people I loved the most in the world, mm-hmm. completely ripped me apart. And suicide, at, at any rate, is is hard to deal with um, for, for anyone. But for me also, as a doctor, I had this added burden of guilt, feeling that maybe I hadn't done the right thing or said the right thing to try to help him and, and save him. So I really plummeted into grief and guilt and despair for a few years after his death and couldn't seem to find my way out of it. And then one day I got the inspiration to call hospice, and it occurred to me that maybe if I wasn't finding my way through this darkness, I needed to just dive right into the middle of it. And by working, working with people who were dying, I would either figure out how to how to live with my grief or not. So mm-hmm. so that's what I did. I started volunteering for hospice and as soon as I got there I recognized that this was the type of work I'm here to do that this is actually where I belonged and the path that I should be on. So I ultimately mm-hmm. shifted my practice completely to working at, in hospice with people at
1: the end of life. Yeah. What what a great gift your father mm. gave you. I mean, this is what we, Rob and I, through our challenges and tragedies in life, have learned, that on the other side of it, when you're willing to open up like you did, you followed that inspiration, and good for you, and thank you for doing that. It takes a lot of courage, that there are gifts available in every single challenge, and This is what part of what your father gave you. And I know that might be hard to hear, but we really believe there's purpose in everything.
3: Yes, I came to believe that, too. And, and really, it, it all came full circle. After I wrote this book, Seven Lessons for Living from the Dying, mm. the day my copies of the book arrived from the publisher, I opened the box, and the first words out of my mouth were, Look what we did, Dad. Oh. And, and I knew in that moment my dad had been my silent partner all along, all those years of doing hospice work and then even writing the book and it came full circle to suddenly this death that at the time seemed so senseless and so meaningless, you know, and, and something that should not have happened. It, it turned out, in retrospect, to have, to have been perfect and to, to have been in alignment with what was meant to happen next. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's beautiful. Know, one
2: of the things that was very special for me was being with my parents when they died. And I gained so much from that experience, but look, death is this universal question, and we all have to confront it. And you know, we we have a lot of trouble with that, especially in this culture. So, why did you want to focus on the perspective of dying? I mean, now that you've been, or had the experience of the hospice work. Um, you know, why is it important for people to read this before we're dying? I mean, I think a lot of people might think, well, okay, this is going to help me die. But that's not your perspective.
3: Yes, it it really came about from what I learned from the patients, uh, sitting at the bedside of people who were at the very end of life and had this New perspective of looking backwards at life knowing Mm -hmm. they were reaching the end in their last few days and a lot of them struggled with what what was I here for did I fulfill my purpose what is the meaning of life but many of them came to the conclusion that life is really about love it's really about learning how to love and some of them said to me you know I've had this profound realization that i should have been focusing my life on love all along and and i hadn't i have, I have never done that and they mm-hmm. said if i had known this 20 years ago it would have changed everything mm-hmm. and then it occurred to me that this is a message that other people need to hear don't wait until you're on your bedside uh, or on your deathbed when you can start focusing on love and forgiveness during your last few days of life, you can start living that type of life now, no matter where you are. And Mm -hmm. so after hearing it over and over again from my patients, how much they wished that they had had thought about these things earlier in life, I realized that's something I could
1: share, that maybe I could (laughs) teach other people. Well, and you know what's so fascinating here, Karen, is your father, that was something not planned. It was out of the blue. Suicide is definitely a very, very challenging thing to deal with. But people die. They step out on the street and a car hits them. Maybe they die in a car accident suddenly. Maybe they drop dead from a heart attack. What do people that have had to deal with sudden death that way, what can they learn from your book? Because accepting that, as you know, having gone through it, is incredibly difficult. Yes. And I think
3: for me once I started studying this the process of death in a way and how we die and mm-hmm. and in hospice most people are have a, di- a gradual dying process yes. and yet still the day that it happens it still feels to the family uh, almost as shocking and unexpected like oh I wasn't I wasn't thinking it would happen today. I didn't Mm -hmm. know today would be the day when Mm -hmm. it does happen. And I realized that if we start out at a much younger age recognizing that everyone is going to die at some point and we have a much more open and and accepting perspective on death in general, I think it helps us. We're less shocked and less... um, Devastated in a way when it happens, because all along we've been keeping that in the back of our mind that someday mm. everyone that we love will die, and I have to be preparing myself for that. I have to prepare all along to know that this this will happen at some point, and so mm. I want to be emotionally and spiritually ready to be able to to navigate that and deal with it when it does happen
1: yes, and you're not saying. That we aren't going to be emotionally affected, that we are not still going to have the pain of the person leaving, because we will miss that person, correct? Yes, exactly. We will Mm -hmm. still go through all the pain of it
3: and the grief of it, but uh, we may not need to shut our lives down um, to such a great extent when it happens because we may, mm-hmm. if we can be a little bit better prepared, but also it helps us appreciate the time we do have. And so I think that became clear to me with my mom after having my father die so suddenly to realize I need to appreciate every moment, every every day, every week, every month that I have with my mom because mm-hmm. I won't have her forever and um, so I think it helps us live more fully and make the most of the time we do have together. And I think that's helpful with our grief as well, because we don't look back and regret that oh we I wasted time <laughs> I wasted time being angry at my mom mm. instead of of loving loving her. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: Well, there are so many great stories also in this book. So we are going to continue to talk about seven lessons for living from the dying. How to Nurture What Really Matters by Dr. Karen Wyatt and we'll be back after these messages.
1: or call 360-385-1909. That's 360-385-1909 for all the information you need on the Avacyn medical device. If you're like us, you really appreciate companies that are sustainable, caring, and conscious. This describes Aloha Bay, a company not only guaranteed by the World Fair Trade Organization, but also donates a portion of their sales to Doctors Without Borders and other great causes. Some of the amazing products made by Aloha Bay include Himalayan salt table and bath products, chakra candles, Himalayan salt lamps, feng shui votives, and much more. A majority of the jar candles are hand poured into recycled glass, scented with 100% pure essential oils, many certified organic. Aloha Bay is an employee owned company whose products are not only affordable, but beautiful and deliciously scented. To learn more and order their amazing products, visit AlohaBay.com. That's AlohaBay.com.
0: Conscious Talk Radio Go to vitaminlife.com and save up to 50% on supplements or call vitaminlife.com to order at 866-998-8855.
4: Find out the latest about your favorite shows on Alternative Talk 1150. Check out 1150kknw.com
2: and welcome back you are listening to conscious talk and you know we love the conversations that we've had over the years and and of course this is our 20th year so we've had a lot of them we love bringing you people that um, whose books move us and and instruct us and help us to move forward in this life and today we're talking about a wonderful book by dr karen wyatt it's called Seven Lessons for Living from the Dying, How to Nurture What Really Matters. I want to point out her website is eoluniversity.com. I believe the EOL stands for End of Life University. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, eoluniversity.com. So, uh, Karen, um I had mentioned that there are a lot of wonderful stories in the book. And one of the things that um, really struck me that in your book, you talk about the power of the experience of awe. Now, I mentioned that I'd been with my parents when they died, and, and I could say it was really an awesome experience. <laughs> um, you know, it was really very interesting. With my mother, after being in a coma for two weeks, uh, when I got uh, to speak with her or to, you know, talk to her, she woke up for the first time, which freaked out everybody in my family, and she said to me, um, you you know, with a a voice a million miles away, it seemed, you know, isn't life interesting, then closed her eyes, and and she was gone, so that was an awesome experience for me. Wow. You know, uh, and when my dad died, it was also a very moving experience um, because I was alone with him in the middle of the night. Uh, So is this the kind of awe that you're talking about or is this more of a useful tool, you know, in life in general?
3: Well, on the one hand, yes, it is because... Death itself, as brenda you mentioned it's a it's a sacred passage, and you mm-hmm. become aware of it the moment you're sitting with someone who's who's going through that process. But I think we can transfer that awe and the sacredness into daily life, and I love the idea that definition of awe being just perceiving that there's something bigger than you <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> something bigger mm-hmm. than just this human life that we're experiencing. And so those moments when you like, look outside at the stars and, at night and see the Milky Way or something, or when you stand and look at a beautiful vista, a mountain vista, or even just looking at a, a tiny flower that's blooming up from the soil, you can feel that sense of awe that there is something so beautiful hap- taking place and happening here in this universe and I'm a part of it, but it's far bigger than what I experience in just my day-to-day life. And that's what I think of as as that, that feeling of awe. But I have felt that as I've sat with my patients while they are going through the dying process, is that this is something so much bigger than we even realize. Mm.
1: Mm. So here's something interesting, Karen. Um, a lot of people might think, well gee, why do I have to even think about dying or any lessons I can learn from that right now um, or any, you know, lessons that can be brought to me if I'm not there yet. I don't feel like I'm going to die tomorrow, which Mm -hmm. nobody knows. But you know how we can be in that kind of energy where we think we know, and yet we don't. So, you know, what... um, what can what can you say to people that resist that way? Is there anything that you can help them with? Well, I think
3: it's really pervasive in our society in particular because over the past century or more we've been kind of anesthetized against death. It's been removed from our our daily presence and our mm-hmm. sight really. Um, because patients are taken to the hospital and might die there and funerals are held in funeral homes. And, and they all of that used to happen at home, right in the home, so that even right. children had experienced the death of a loved one and knew mm-hmm. death as a, a reality and something that happened for everyone. But we've become so distanced and so remote from the idea of death as being a natural part of life that i think that adds to our our avoidance and our denial of it and so i think we need to revisit the whole idea of that death death is just part of this natural cycle for our human bodies you know as souls we come in and we inhabit this physical form and at birth and then at the end of life we will leave this physical form and that's what death is mm-hmm. and it's natural and it's part of the whole cycle and what i feel is that people can live lives more consciously when they do recognize that this human body that we're in is a gift but it's a short short-term gift we won't have it forever so take advantage of the time you have if you're healthy fantastic you can do all sorts of things, and you can enjoy having this body, and you can make the most of of the life that you have right now. But so many people are wandering through life, I think, still asleep and not even
1: recognizing what what a gift they have in just being alive.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well,
1: I, and I also think, on a religious note, and I grew up in a religious church, um, that we never talked about. You know, maybe reincarnation, that the soul is eternal, that life goes on beyond being in these bodies, that we more than likely come back to heal and learn more lessons on this plane. And so there's millions of people that believe this is it. Once they die, it's over. I think that, <clears throat> excuse me, propagates a lot of fear. Um, can you talk to that for a moment? Oh, yes, definitely. I
3: I see that over and over again, that the people with the most fear in our society are people who have never had an experience that has shown them that there's something more than just mm-hmm. this physical existence. And so they can't allow themselves to believe it and uh, but also, there is a group of, of people with a lot of fear who have maybe been raised with religious beliefs that there 's a hell, and they have a fear that they mm-hmm. that they themselves will go to hell when they die. I see mm-hmm. fear in that group also mm-hmm. but i I ask people who have no way of believing that there 's some sort of an afterlife to at least open their minds and for one thing for me, working with the dying and sitting sitting at the bedside and seeing what happens for people as they're close to death, it's amazing. People see loved ones who have already died in the room who are coming Mm -hmm. to greet them. They have Mm -hmm. conversations with them, and sometimes they have those conversations out loud where we can hear them, and all of that, it's so validating of the fact that there's, some, there's so much more than what we're aware of. So I often tell people, too, if, if you're really afraid of death, if you can find your way to volunteer at a hospice and just get some training and just mm. meet a few people who are approaching death, mm. and you can actually be exposed mm. to what a beautiful experience it can be, mm. and, and yeah. that can help a lot.
2: You know, one of the things that you mentioned was, hey, if you're healthy, really enjoy it, you know, go for it, have those experiences. But one of your lessons is about suffering, and the advice ultimately is to embrace your difficulties in life. Mm-hmm. Um, can you expound a little bit on that one?
3: Well, I think that, that goes along, I think, with our avoidance of of death as well that we want to avoid any sort of pain or discomfort in life we're always looking for maximizing you know how can i maximize pleasure and avoid anything that's uncomfortable but in reality when we when we really look at life and what it how it teaches us and how we learn things it's often through those difficulties and setbacks and the challenges and disappointments of life that we learn the most. And so I think it's healthiest for us if we can stop wanting to resist and avoid things that that come along that we don't like in life and, and be more accepting and surrendering in a way toward those events. And, and this year 2020 that we're in is a perfect example of that. Mm-hmm. None of us has any control of over what's going on here, Um, health-wise or economically in our society, we're just being asked to accept that this is a really difficult time Mm -hmm. to be alive. But when we stop resisting it and we say, all right, this is where I am, this is what's happening, so how can I learn something from this and, and make it the best it can possibly be?
1: Yes, I. You know, one of the, another thing that Rob and I've learned is that suffering really is caused by our resistance to what is. That's when we really suffer. When we cannot accept what is unfolding in our lives, we end us, we end up suffering. At least that's been our experience. Is that how you look at suffering? Yes. So true. So true. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we make it
3: so much worse, and it's partly because somehow we have an idea that we shouldn't ever have to suffer; <laughs> that, that yeah, right. it it shouldn't happen to us. Nothing should happen or should come along in our lives. And when we change that entire attitude and understand, I even think I even think as souls, I think we come here to planet Earth to inhabit these physical bodies in order to experience suffering because. If I think about, you know, the spiritual realm, um, a place of of unconditional love and light, I don't think there's suffering there. And it seems to (laughs) me that souls may may choose to come to Earth because this is the laboratory where you learn how do you how do you get through suffering, how do you how do you surrender to it, how do you
1: stop resisting it, and how do you maximize love even when you're suffering. Yes. Well, we're here today with Dr. Karen Wyatt. The book is Seven Lessons for Living and Dying. We'll be right back.
5: Hi, this is Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and it's that time of year again when everyone suffers from some kind of upper respiratory problem. We miss work and feel miserable spending too much time with doctors and pharmacists. That is, unless we protect ourselves and our families with a product that I recommend to my patients, clear saline nasal spray and sinus rinse. Clear combines the unique properties of xylitol and the health promoting benefits of a saline nasal spray to help cleanse, moisturize, and soothe your sinuses and nasal passages. Clear helps wash away bacteria, pollens, and other irritants before they have a chance to attack the sensitive tissues in your upper respiratory tract. Clear is easy to use, effective, and safe for people of all ages. Clear is simply your best defense in an increasingly dirty and polluted world. I use it myself. You can find Clear Saline Nasal Spray and Sinus Wash at Vitamin Shop, CVS, Rite Aid and other drugstore, supermarkets, and pharmacies near you, as well as Amazon. Or you can visit Clear on the web at clear.com. That's www.xlear.com.
6: Our bodies depend on a potent powerhouse of beneficial bacteria that support and improve every aspect of our health. Dr. O'Hara's formula encourages probiotics to function at their peak performance.
4: Clear is so powerful, it's been granted over 11 patents. So step up from that wimpy saline spray to something that actually works faster and better at getting you the relief you need to start breathing now. And if your doctor isn't talking to you about clear for your congestion, maybe you need to get a new doctor. You don't just rinse your hands. Why would you just rinse your nose? Clear saline nasal spray with xylitol.
6: Available at Vitamin Shop, Walgreens, CVS, Rite Aid, as well as Amazon.com. For a complete list of retailers, visit
1: clear.com. That's XLEAR.com.
4: Talk radio with a purpose. Alternative Talk 1150.
1: Hey, welcome back, folks, and thanks for tuning in today with us here on Conscious Talk. Our website is ConsciousTalk.net. You can follow us on Facebook. You can tune in to our website. You can download for free from our archives up to two years of shows that are available. You can podcast on almost every podcast service that is out there. You can stream us live by going to our site or Um, 1150 KKNW.com as well. But easy from our site at ConsciousTalk.net. Well, we're here today talking to Dr. Karen Wyatt, and I need to correct what I said in the last segment. It is Seven Lessons for Living from the Dying is her book. Her website is eoluniversity.com. So, Karen, I just wanted to follow up on something you said in the last segment About, you know, we come back here maybe to learn about suffering uh, because from our perspective, souls are eternal. And so as a soul, we're always wanting to experience something, lots of things. And so you can see how we might come back here to experience suffering. And then learn from it, because there. I don't, as I said in our very first segment, Rob and I believe there's a purpose to everything. So we feel that whatever you encounter this lifetime, you're here to learn about it. And there's something to learn from it, which gives it a lot of meaning, instead of holding a belief that it's meaningless. And one of the things I wanted to share with you is, when my mother was In her late 90s, she died um, in January this year at 98. She suffered, and I mean suffered physically. She was uh, in dementia. She had a lot of pain. Her body was falling apart. And I used to say prayers for her, for her acceptance of death so that she could leave because I knew once she escaped her body or she left her body, she was out of the physical pain. And then after I started praying like that, I thought, oh, my, should I feel guilty about wanting her to leave? It's not that I wanted her to leave. It's that I wanted her to be out of pain. Have you run across that or can you say anything to that?
3: Yes, definitely. And I—that that is actually a, a, something I've commonly heard from family members who have had the same prayer for, for my loved one to, you know, please release them from this physical existence mm-hmm. where at least it appears to me that they're suffering a great deal and I don't want them to have to go go through that. So I think that that's a very common and it's a very loving desire for for your loved one to want them to have to want them to be comfortable and to want them to to be able to pass through the suffering. But I started to recognize in hospice that our patients, these patients that were dying, really had their own timeline, their own time frame. Mm -hmm. And that's when I started to recognize maybe the soul is doing a certain amount of work Mm -hmm. through this whole process, and it needs whatever time it needs to complete that work before the person dies. And there were some people that I thought would die fairly quickly who lingered for months and months, Mm -hmm. but I could tell by listening to what they said and watching them process that so much learning was happening during those months. Other patients that I thought might have have lived longer actually died fairly quickly, and that's the experience I had with my mother. Um, I came to stay with her thinking I'd be taking care of her for about three months at the end of her life, and she died in five days, which which was a shock but she worked through and processed things very quickly during that five days. We had this amazing healing between the two of us, mm-hmm. and that and that was it. So everyone has their own time frame. Every soul has their own time frame. Yeah, Thank and
2: you. I, and I, yeah. Thanks for that. Yeah, Brenda's going to say because I, I, I've had that experience too with people dying, and my feeling about it is, hey sometimes they don't get it till the last minutes, but you can tell because I'm sure time has collapsed for them when they're dying, that they, um, they get it. And, you know, the reason that I picked up your book in the first place and why it so fascinated me was that I've always felt, you know, Hey, let's beat the rush. You know, how cool could it be to learn these things you know, before the last few seconds of your life, because it makes life so much more enjoyable Mm -hmm. and fulfilling. Mm -hmm. And maybe, you know, you can move on to another level, uh, you know, and and that's in my imagination quicker, because Mm -hmm. you did the work. Mm -hmm. So when we come back, um, we're going to continue our discussion with Dr. Karen Wyatt about seven lessons for living from the dying and we'll touch on a couple more of those lessons. Stay tuned. You are listening to Conscious Talk, radio that makes a difference.
1: If you're ready to move forward and heal the whole of you, give us a call at 360-385-1909. That's 360-385-1909.
0: Conscious Talk, radio that lifts
6: you up. Now more than ever, it is important to have a healthy immune system. Many health professionals agree that probiotics are a leading natural therapy for boosting immune health.
4: Miss a show on KKNW? Check out 1150kknw.com for podcasts of many of our programs. That's 1150kknw.com.
2: And welcome back. Yes, you are still listening to Conscious Talk, but hey, if you just joined us, um, you're going to want to hear this conversation, and you can do that by going to ConsciousTalk.net and put Karen Wyatt, Dr. Karen Wyatt in the search engine, and uh, you'll find her guest page. There'll be a play button there. You can hear the show as many times as you want, or check it out on your podcast services. Just search for Conscious Talk. I'm Rob Spears. And I'm
1: Brenda Michaels, and yes, our special guest is Dr. Karen Wyatt. The book is Seven Lessons for Living from the dying and I just want to follow up a little bit on what we discussed in the last segment Karen and I said that I was hoping you know I was really praying for my mother to die sooner because she was in a lot of physical and I felt emotional turmoil and what you said about people have a timeline they have to process that's what I learned when she finally did go I realized she had a lot of processing to do, particularly around my brothers, because she and I had done a lot of work together, but she hadn't done anything with my brothers. And I really felt intuitively that she was processing a lot of that. And then when she was done, she was done. So I wanted to thank you for that lesson, because that's a big lesson to learn. I I now understand that we don't want our loved ones in pain. But the pain does serve a purpose. If they have lessons to learn from that, that's the time it's going to take is the time it's going to take. And it really, really does help me to be at peace with that. So thank you for that.
2: Well, another Mm -hmm. one of your lessons is around forgiveness. Mm -hmm. Now, we've talked about forgiveness over the years. A lot. uh, But we'd like to hear your point of view.
3: I would say forgiveness is one of the lessons that I saw almost every single patient working on at the very end of life. And for many people, they had long lists of of people that they wanted to forgive, that they had they'd held grudges and resentment toward for years and years. So they were going back through all of these events from their earlier life, trying to figure out how do I forgive these people, how do I forgive myself for what I did or said, and how do I get them to forgive me? And I saw what an overwhelming task it was for people to be working through all of that. That's what motivated me to think forgiveness is clearly something I could be working on right now today, mm-hmm. so that when I get to that point i've already I've already made it through my back list, maybe, and you know I've already done a lot of this work so that there isn't so much to process and all of them said they they felt a need to forgive before they died because they wanted to just be at peace. They didn't want to carry any anger or bitterness with them, and they were highly motivated to to resolve all of those old wounds. But it's so much work to do at the very end. It makes Mm. sense to me that we could start it right away, right now. There's no reason not to, and maybe make those last months and weeks of life easier
1: um did you did you ever come across any anyone that was in the dying process that wasn't willing to forgive that you know because I had this experience with my father. I spent some time with him before he died. <clears throat> unfortunately, I wasn't with him when he died. I was with him the day before and I had done a lot of forgiveness work around our relationship and I I told him that I forgave him and I asked him to forgive me and he didn't answer me. And I just wonder if you've encountered that. Yes, we did have some patients who were
3: not willing to talk about it and, and not willing to look at it. And there were a few uh, a few I worked with who actually, they were some of the patients who held on a, a very long time. It took a mm-hmm. long time for them to die. Mm-hmm. And they lingered for months. And I I felt that there were... They were resisting some of the work that maybe was there for them to do mm-hmm. and struggling with that. I still wonder if though if even those people at the very last moment before they die might find their way mm-hmm. to that to that forgiveness, mm-hmm. but that I don't know for sure maybe not mm-hmm. being able to talk with them in that very last moment to know. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, but that's something that I wonder about. Yeah. yeah.
2: We also, um, over the years, one of your lessons is about surrender Mm -hmm. and letting go of expectations, looking at it from that point of view. Why is that important for us, you know, before we're dying?
3: As you mentioned, that it's sometimes resisting what is in life is is what makes us miserable and makes Mm -hmm. us suffer so much in life. And when it became clear to me, that there are so many things in my life that I can't control. If I just stop trying to control them, I'm so much happier and <laughs> so, so much more at ease. And so mm-hmm. I began to see the value. When I saw that it was actually a blessing to them once they did just surrender and stop, stop trying to control, stop trying to push things or, or make things be different than they are, I saw how how much more peace they experienced. And then I realized that is something I want in my life right now. And how much of my energy do I waste trying
1: to trying to change things that can't be changed? You know, what's so fascinating, too, about the timing of your book, Karen, is what's going on now with COVID-19, what so many, many thousands and thousands, hundreds of thousands of people are experiencing right now those on the family side that have you know loved ones that are dying from covid-19 they can't be in the room with them they can't go through the dying process with them i mean it just feels like this book was you know your father had <laughs> had you really it's a perfect time for a book like this to come out because because this is there's death all around us right now on the planet there's always been but it is really now in our faces.
3: It's so true. And you know, I mean, there's a good story about that that I actually I wrote the first version of this book ten years ago. Mm-hmm. And so it was published back then and didn't do so well in sales because it wasn't I think it was a little bit ahead of its time. People weren't mm-hmm. so interested or concerned about death. And then two years ago I got an offer from Watkins Publishing to re release the book. So I revised it and and you know who knew two years ago they said it'll come out in may of 2020 and i had no idea that it was going to be that it was going to land here at the with the very perfect timing
2: yeah well there's a perfect example of letting go of your expectations Mm -hmm. Uh, you know things tend to happen in what we call divine timing Mm -hmm. and uh well so death is the the fear of death is that it, you know this whole idea of impermanence where you know it, we're in fear about that so yeah. what advice do you give people
3: well i really love the, the the buddhist concept of impermanence and the fact that if you think about it nothing lasts and everything changes and mm-hmm. so i started i i tell people to start by thinking about that that everything around them ultimately it breaks or falls apart mm-hmm. nothing lasts here in this physical world everything changes and if you go out in nature all around you you see trees that are dying and flowers that have already died and you, and and you start to sense that the cycle of life and death is necessary here on the planet nothing could be alive right now if it weren't for other if it weren't for death occurring in nature mm-hmm. And by starting there, that seems to help us recognize that we're just one more living being here on the planet who fall into that same cycle of life and death. And we don't really have to fear it, especially when we know that that there's something more to us than just a physical body. We are souls, and Mm. souls that will go on, but souls that at some point need to leave behind the body so that they can carry on with their journey and and go on to the next learning experience.
1: Mm -hmm. And so
3: for me, that mindset is what can really help with fear.
1: Yes, and I think that's a beautiful way to end our discussion today with you, Karen, is that, you know, there is really truly nothing to fear except what we make up in our own mind. And again, that goes back to that resistant resistance piece to what is so we want to thank you so much karen for writing this beautiful book and the work that you're doing it's so needed on the planet right now we so appreciate you and this work again folks seven lessons for living from the dying and that is how to nurture really, you know, what really matters is the subtitle, how to nurture what really matters. So thank you for joining us today, folks. And thank you again, Karen. Have a beautiful day, everyone. And we'll see all of you next time, right here on Conscious Talk.
0: What if you could be your own healer? Well, you can unleash your natural healing abilities with the AIM program of Energetic Balancing. To learn more about energetic self-healing, you can order the Novel Sanctuary today by calling 877-500-3622 or request a free AIM information kit. Call 877-500-3622 or visit energeticmatrix.com. Unleash your natural self-healing abilities with the AIM program of Energetic Balancing. Conscious Talk, radio that gives back to yourself.
1: twenty five.